From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned thought leaders, founders, and game changers committed to ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship well executed. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggle, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes purpose-driven entrepreneurs and game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by executive producer of Stanford Athletics, Beyond the Champions, radio show, and principal of Podfather Media, Tom Dioro. We are, uh, we're honored, truly, and uh, excited to be joined by Jess Lunavelle, founder of The Listings Lab. The Listing Lab helps build sustainable multi-six and seven-figure real estate business without burnout and old-school marketing tactics. To Feel free to visit their website at thelistingslab.com. Again, that is thelistingslab.com. Hello, Jess. As I said earlier, we're really honored and excited to have you on the Innovator Show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Jess, as we talked about just moments ago, if you have a favorite quote, and I love this, and it's actually really one of my favorites I've heard, please share with your audience today what that uh, quote is. Yeah, so this is actually one that I stole from a good friend of mine, Alex Moscow, and it is, results don't take time, they take courage. And I love this one so much because I think so often we assume that you have to work really hard for many, many years and you have to put in your 10,000 hours and everything has to feel very like long and hard. When the truth really is, is a lot of the time, the people who really make gigantic strides are the people who are the bravest and the most courageous and are willing to risk to fail. The bravest. Do you think that can be instilled in people or do they have it? I think it can be learned. I am naturally very introverted, very shy. I was not a brave child at all. And it's something that I've learned over my life. And I think that it just, it's like a muscle that the first time you do something that feels courageous or brave, it hurts a lot more Mm -hmm. than the hundredth time. And I think that over time, you get you get used to doing braver things. Um, I do think that there's an element of sort of natural risk. I don't know, a feeling of like kind of lack of risk aversion um, and not being afraid of failure. But I think that's more mindset than it is, you know, not not being afraid to be brave. Was there a poignant moment or moments in your life, I I know I've read up with you, that you really, you can point back now and say, wow, that was a very defining moment for me, regardless of where you were um, emotionally, mentally, financially, Mm -hmm. spiritually, whatever it is. Can you pinpoint that if you're at liberty to share with your audience today? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there was this moment when I, it was the moment that I made the decision to leave an abusive relationship that I was in. So I'd been in this relationship for three years or so. Um, It was a slow burn. So it started out as someone who was very charming and very sweet to me. And, and over the years, it deteriorated into something very toxic, both emotionally and physically abusive. And I had this just moment of clarity, oh my gosh, 
how this is not my life. How did I get here? And from that was a defining moment for me, not only in my personal life, of course, but also in my business, because my business had been held back tremendously. One, I, and at the time I was selling real estate. So my business had been held back substantially because I was constantly worried or afraid to upset him. So I wasn't going after things the way that I sort of naturally would have. And I was making more money than he was, which was also... I think, a triggering experience for him. So I was in a lot of ways making myself small so as to not rock the boat. And when I left that relationship, I had a moment of, oh my gosh, I can do anything. Like I, nothing has to hold me back ever again. And it was a really beautiful kind of transformation for me because all of my goals changed, the way that I looked at myself changed, the, you know, what I, what I felt like I was capable of really shifted. And um, I mean, it didn't happen overnight, but I had this feeling that I could grow into the highest and best version that I'd always kind of dreamed of that I could be, but that at, during the, that three-year period, it didn't feel possible. We'll rush ahead from that. That's courageous. Sure. Of course, that's beyond courageous in my opinion and belief rush go forward to now and to what you've experienced has it even exceeded what you thought for yourself yes um i my business has grown financially team wise more than i think that i ever imagined um i now live in the bahamas is that right so yeah. So um, I live in the Bahamas with my absolutely wonderful husband who is outside trying to de-green the pool. <laughs> Our pool for some reason is green today. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I moved to essentially my dream island in the Bahamas. I'm running my business and my team remotely. I just am. And I had I had one of those moments actually on a plane on Saturday where I just stopped and said, wow, like, I don't think that five years ago I could have even imagined that this is where I would be right now. That soon? Five years? That that goes by quickly. But that... Mm-hmm. Wow. No, I, I'm really blown away with, with all that you've accomplished and what you do, Jess, really. Thank you. The system. You know, I, I've, I've, I'm yeah. a very big believer in systems. Um, obviously, <laughs> you have created a system. If you're at liberty to share again, um, without yeah. giving away the, the secret sauce, you know, what... what point where you did you decide you know what I think I have a system for this level of success and I can replicate it or share it with others you know I when I was selling real estate I had so many people that were constantly saying how are you doing it like I'm struggling and I and I remember seeing and watching all of these other people not only getting into the business but even people who'd been in the business for 20 years who were saying to me like how 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 are you doing this and how have you done this so quickly and I think a lot of it just came down to, first of all, real estate is always, it's, 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 it's like kind of like you're the original business. It is always five years behind. Is that right? Okay. So, um, you know, that was one thing. So the fact that I was willing to innovate, that I was willing to take what was working in another service-based business or that we were seeing in terms of digital marketing in other areas and other, other industries and bring it back into real estate really helped me to kind of forge ahead faster 
But then also on top of that, I think that there was, you know, I, I, I love puzzles. It's always been something that I've always really enjoyed. And I think there's an element of puzzles and problem solving and looking at something from a 30,000 foot view that allows anybody to be able to see something a little bit more clearly. I think that so often in business, we're so in the weeds and we're so in the business that we can't actually remove ourselves to see the patterns. And um, that was something that I was really good at. And I, to this day, it's what I do in my business now. I have someone on my team named Ashley, who is my right hand and she's my COO and she runs the day-to-day of the business so that I can take that 30,000 foot view and I can look down on the whole business as a whole and make decisions based on future pacing and the things that we see that I think are going to come up or, you know, new ideas. I have every Friday, I have hours blocked off in my day that just say business play. And and that's what I do. I get to like whiteboard and journal and and see if something brilliant comes out. And sometimes for many, many Fridays at a time, nothing brilliant happens. But, you know, it only takes the one thing. And that has really been a game changer for me is buying back so much of my schedule so that I have space and time to to do those things. Dan Sullivan says, you know, entrepreneurs who are too tightly scheduled cannot transform. And I believe that too, that like creating that space has been a really big, a really big shift in me being able to be creative and to actually innovate. Interesting you you'd say that because there's a um a gentleman out of Stanford University who came up with the uh, a number of startup books uh, that had said that, um, Steve Blank is his name, that an entrepreneur is really much more so an artist than they are an executive. Yes. yes I agree with that entirely. What, how yeah. so in your experience? I think that there's not one way to build success. And I think that's also something that there's, there's that, there's that old quote that success leaves clues. And I actually disagree with it because I think that it creates copying and one person's strengths and abilities and innate resources are different from every other person on the planet. And if you try to copy what has made someone else successful, a lot of the time you'll get 70% there, but that, that extra 30% really comes from you being able to own your own genius. And I think every single person has their own genius. And being able to, to, to figure out what makes you special, what you're really good at, and this goes beyond marketing, beyond the typical, like, what is your unique value proposition? This goes, in, like, really into, as a human being, what are you the best in the world at? And for a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, it's creating a vision. You know, Gino Wickman talks a lot about, you know, the, the integrator and your visionary. And it's okay to be an integrator, of course, but most people who are highly entrepreneurial are visionaries. And they're able to see what something can look like well in advance and then work with people to not only enroll people in that vision, but 
may be able to see at least initially a basic path to get from where they are now to where they want to be, whether it's business, whether it's, I mean, really anything that requires a journey. That is, I think, what what makes visionaries really different is that ability to kind of see the future or imagine the future and then paint the path or, you know, reverse engineer what the steps are to get there. And every business has a different structure, has a different set of human beings as well. And I think that, you know, yes, we can identify certain roles and certain obligations and and have your your organize your org chart set up a certain way, but at the end of the day, it's it's still puzzle pieces that have to fit together and human beings are not like not in any way the same. So, you know, I we use the Colby the Colby index a lot for our team and for training. And, and if you looked at my Colby score, you'd think she is speed and nothing else. And in a lot of ways, it's true. I'm, I have very low follow through scores. I have very low, I have very low implementer scores, but I am a 10 quick start. So I'm very good at having ideas and taking immediate action and being brave. And so what I've been really good at is bringing people on that fill all the gaps that I leave, which are tremendous. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have really great people around me that, you know, essentially keep the walls from falling over. I love it. This is fascinating, truly. We're talking today with Jess Lunavelle founder of The Listings Lab. For more information, feel free to visit their website at thelistingslab.com. Again, thelistingslab.com. Jess, how did you come up with the name The Listings Lab? To be perfectly honest, I wrote three names on a napkin and I asked a whole bunch of people which one they liked the best. <laughs> and The Listings Lab was one of them. I don't even remember what the other what the other names were, but it, everybody like hands down was like, that's it. And, and honestly, listings are what most agents want. It, it's what drives the market. And it's actually become our differentiator because there's so many marketing companies and so many people out there that can generate buyers, but our focus on the listing side of the business has really set us apart. So I guess it was luck that it ended up in our name. Well, it's, a ter it's a terrific name. In, get, in acquiring those listings, there's a, obviously there's a, I would call it a mastery of it. And that's what mm. your system, I haven't thoroughly, uh, obviously I haven't gone through your course or workshop, but it, it, there seems to be a level of mastery with that. Is that, was that by design? Yes. And I, I think that a lot of the time in real estate, the biggest misconception, even that real estate agents have is they believe that they sell real estate. If somebody says, what do you do? They said, they'll say, I sell real estate, but that's actually not true. Real estate agents sell services and they consult on the sale of real estate. And so a lot of that, that fundamental shift of I am a real estate agent to I am a business owner and a marketer is for us, what we've seen really been the differentiator between people who, you know, create a successful hustle versus people who create a real scalable 
machine of a business. On that machine of a business, it still sounds like there's a heart to it as much as there is a machine. Of course. So there's a, of there's course. a heart to it and a personality and some flair, um, which, which is, it seems built in just from what, I, what I've studied about what it is that yeah, you Yeah. I mean, it has to be and make, I mean, human beings, as much as we want to automate everything in the world, we, we make decisions based on emotion and we back them up with logic. So if you don't have an emotional component, not only to your business, but also to your marketing and, you know, you will always get left behind. And I think that that's really where a lot of people, at least in our industry, struggle is they believe that because they are now in business that they have to be so professional and they lose all of the personality and the heart and the and the quirks that really make make that person special. And, you know, the we joke around all the time that, you know, our business, I'm the dancing bear. That I'm the voice and the the you know the the face that people see and I make I mean I make the big decisions, but again like I'm I'm the heart and so every once in a while my COO will say hey can you just come sprinkle a little Jess magic on this and a lot of that is just you know me put infusing my sometimes silliness sometimes personality sometimes you know word choice into something that, you know, someone else has, has taken that is lacking a little bit of that magic. What's your thought on, this is my opinion, you may disagree, but the, yeah. you have to be yeah. um, something or uh, um, be something special to achieve what it is, the, uh, your, what you want and the outcome you want out of your life, what's your, what's your take on it? It's not something that you can, co you can copy it, but you have to be a specific way with your own flair, of course. What, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I think that authenticity is probably at the core of most success. Just, you know, letting go of people pleasing, letting go of what everyone else is telling you is the only way to do something and being okay with, being different, being polarizing. Um, there are people who absolutely love me. They love my message. They're my biggest supporters. And I also have people who don't like me and that don't resonate with me and disagree with the way that I look at things. And that is the actually, in my opinion, the only way to be successful. Because if you are trying to be perfect and trying to please everyone, you'll really end up with no one who truly loves you. And you know, at the end of the day, you won't really gain a lot of traction. It's the business, a lot of business is about evangelism and about people really buying into something that you say or you do or that you believe that either they believe too or they have never heard it that way or, you know, people as a whole are, I mean, myself included, everybody, to a certain extent, we're always looking for leadership. And so I think that part of that courageous aspect that we were talking about at the beginning of the show is being brave enough to lead and being brave enough to say things that you know not everyone will like, because that's really where, you know, true evangelism and true audience is built. What's your thought on um, discovery and creating? Because I've, uh, I'm, a, I'm a believer that discovery is significantly more so than creativity. Others disagree with it. And uh, mm -hmm. it, because it's all, it's about discovery. I think it's much of life is about discovery. What's your 
thought on it. I agree with that. I mean, I think that you can be the most creative person in the world, but if you're not learning and you're not finding new things and figuring out different ways to, like, I think discovery comes before creativity. I think that you, when you find something that's new or interesting, or just like I did, I went into another industry and I was watching what they were doing. And then I was, so I discovered this thing that I didn't know of before. I bring it back into the real estate space and then I get to be creative. And then I get to figure out how it's going to work in real estate, right? Because e-commerce, as an example, is usually so much further ahead than so many other industries. It innovates so quickly. But if we watch e-commerce and we look at what's really, truly dominating markets in in the e-commerce space, and then we bring it back into a business, an old school business like real estate, and we test it and we iterate it and we figure, we get creative with it and we figure out what, how those fundamental principles can be adjusted and work in in a, in a in an industry like real estate that's really where where we get something that's special and something that is actually going to not only like slowly take steps forward in the industry but actually create these like quantum leaps well this this may also be another bit of a reach is uh, we have other shows that uh, focus with architecture and design mm. is i don't my belief is there's not too much difference or too dissimilar from the industry. So, for example, let's say an account, even an accountant, an accountant or an architect got familiar with your course, did your workshop, that they would actually uh, benefit by doing so, totally. even though it's real estate, that that's mm-hmm. a whole so-called not so-called is a different feel, a different realm, architecture or accounting. But the for immutable them to do, principles are the same. Got it. That great. That's the word I've been looking for for a decade. Thank you. The immutable <laughs> principles are the, the same. And then this ends our show. No, no. The immutable <laughs> principles are the same. Oh, that's, that's, oh, thank you. <laughs> Share with your audience what that means to you. Yeah. So when I, what I mean by that are like the fundamental principles of marketing and psychology. We are not evolving as a species so fast that they are going to change in our lifetime. So when you truly understand the psychology of taking someone from stranger to client, when you learn how to speak to people in their own language and the way that they want to be spoken to, when you understand marketing foundations, and I think so often we, especially in real estate, especially in accounting, in, you know, in, in so many of these service-based businesses where we're not marketers first, a lot of the time we get focused in on exposure. All I need is is more eyeballs on my business card. Well, that doesn't equate into business. So really understanding how to take a perfect stranger and get them to a point where they know you, they like you, they trust you, and they want to work with you is there's an art associated with it, of course, but there's also human psychology, which is science. It's being able to say, these are all of the points that I need to hit in order for 99% of the population to either say yes or no. And that's what we want. We don't want maybes. We want people who, and that's where the polarity comes in. People will read my stuff and I will get like love letters from agents who are like, I feel like I've been listening to the, I've been looking for this my whole life. And then I have, I sent out an email about two weeks ago and it's so funny to watch the polarity happen in real time. So two responses come in within the same minute. 
One of them is you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Like I've been in the industry for 30 years. The next one is I feel like I've been waiting my whole life to find you. I could not agree with you more. I absolutely love this email. <laughs> and I was like, you could not get further on the spectrum from those two, but it was the same email. Oh, that's terrific. I mean, I just, I just love this. This is the Innovators Podcast, KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Jess Lunavelle, founder of The Listing Lab. For more information, feel free to visit thelistingslab.com. Again, thelistingslab.com. That polarity, and it, it, do you think that that's actually vital to continued success and fulfillment? I think that it's... I think that it's part of being able to just exist in this world as a public figure. I think that if you are not speaking your truth, which is always going to resonate with some and, you know, push away others, um, I don't think that I could be a people pleaser and a public figure for a long period of time. I feel like I would feel very lost in it. Um, but I also think that there's so much fun that you can have with it and that you get more and more comfortable being vocal about some of, I, I, I call it owning your weird, right? And I am, we all have our quirks and we all have things that make us, that we, don't, that we show only the people who are closest to us. That comfort level when you get to a point where you can show up online as your weirdest self is unbelievably freeing because you no longer feel, I think so many people feel like they're wearing a mask in their marketing, in their professional life, in, in so many aspects of it. And I've proven to myself, and I didn't always know this, I knew it in theory, but I'd not necessarily in practice, that I could genuinely be as strange or as quirky or as, you know, as opinionated as I wanted to. Um, and the people who are truly my people, it would actually pull them closer. And that's a really, that's a, it was a really kind of fun long-term experiment. Hey, how do you feel now? Are, are you able to project yourself out two, three years in the future as to what you want to accomplish personally, professionally? Yeah, I, it's funny that you ask. I was on a plane on Saturday and I wrote down three to five years. I just wrote three to five years on the top of a page and I wrote an entire page worth of bullet points. And they were all maybes, but it was really a, you know, this might happen or we might be here or um, I have I have a list personally and then I also have a list from a business standpoint. Stages that I want to speak on people that I want to meet, um, trips that I want to take, the, the, the investments that I want to make, you know, things like that. Um, a lot of it, though, will, will ultimately come down to me being able to take my core message and get it out in front of more people. And whatever that looks like in terms of larger scale distribution of content, of messaging, of my book, um, which again come, you know, is why I've, I've been, I'm, I'm introverted. I do not always want to be on a stage in front of 5,000 people, but 
I also know that if I want to accomplish the things that I want to want to accomplish, I have to be brave. And so I've gotten more and more comfortable on big stages. And that shy part of myself, I've learned to turn it on and off a little bit so that I can be on stage for however long that that talk is and really love it and feel really, you know, sourced throughout that that process and then understand that I'm probably going to crash and sleep for 12 hours <laughs> because I'm going to be really tired. <laughs> Yeah. That's giving it your all, that's for sure. If you can briefly explain, you know, if you can recall or if you are able to mm -hmm. do so, uh, a client or a person who's a professional who's taken a workshop where they were really at the start of, of being a realtor and they are doing phenomenal. You don't have to name names, but if there's anyone in particular. Yeah, so, or maybe so I had a really, really, I got a great one. So um, okay. there is a guy named Justin. He's become a great friend. Justin grew up in the real estate industry. So his parents were both in real estate and he was a young man when we started working together. He's still a young, young ish man. He would, he would be so embarrassed if I said that. I'm like, Justin, you're now a young ish man. Um, but he, ha, when he first started working with me, I didn't know this. He had $29 in his bank account and three children. So he had his wife and three kids and 29 bucks. And he put the training and he put working with me on a credit card. And when he first, when we first started to dig into things, I was coming up against a lot of ego and a lot of, I know, I know everything. And I remember having a conversation with him and saying, Justin, if you know everything, why are you here? And why do you need this? And it really, he, over, over the first couple of months, we broke down a lot of walls. Um, he did 800,000 in gross commissions in eight months. Once we started working together, we completely shifted all of his marketing. He told me when we first started working together that his parents were never around when he was a kid because real estate in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have the technology that we have now. I have a mom who's been in real estate for 35 years and I, I get it. But he said, I don't want to be that parent. I want to be at every hockey game and every ballet recital. And I want to be that dad. And so we built his business. He has a, a seven-figure lean team. And he is, for the majority of the time, he's out of production. So he's at hockey and he's at ballet and he's at family dinners every night. And it really – and he started another business. Um and, you know, that transformation, I think, is one that I'm probably the most proud of. Or there's And there's a couple of them, but mostly because I get to see the impact that it has on the kids and the ripple effect of not only the people on his team, but also his wife and his kids and, you know, their childhoods. And that is that that is the part that's really fun for me. Um. All, this whole business was born out of one thing. Um, several years ago, I read or watched a video on the five regrets of the dying. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically, you know, a hospice nurse talks about the, the people who she speaks to at the end of their lives and what their regrets are. And the, one of the number one regrets is that they worked too much. 
and that they wish that they had worked less and prioritized money and putting in the hours less and they'd spent more time with their loved ones. And that really hit home for me. And I essentially not only made a huge diff a huge shift in my life and my priorities and my schedule, but I also brought that into my business. So my book that I wrote that was released in May is called More Money, Less Hustle. And it's because I truly think that in order to have the trifecta of why people get into a business like real estate in the first place is they want more, you know, unlimited income. They want to be able to set their own schedules because there's this misconception that all business owners can do whatever they want. Um, and they wanted to help people. And a lot of people in real estate never actually reach any of those because of the system, because they were never taught how to build a leveraged, scalable business. So what they do is they end up trading time for money and chasing clients around all over the place. And, um, you know, I, I read a statistic that most agents in North America actually make like, I think it was like $28,000 a year because there's so many agents out there. And there's this misconception that, you know, real estate agents are overpaid and they make all this money and it's the easiest job in the world. But the reality of actually being an agent, especially being a new agent, is, um, is very different. And, you know, we talk about the 80-20 rule, but I think it's more like the 95-5, you know, like 5% of the people out there and the agents are running real big scalable businesses and they have freedom and the rest of them don't. Wow. That's for outstanding show. Jess, thank you for being on. Is there anything you'd like to share before uh, that we may not have touched on that you think is important? I don't think so. I don't think so. Thank you. Thank you for just letting me ramble. No, oh, thank you. It's an honor really. It really was. So if, if, if unless there's something that you'd like to share that you can think of at the last second uh, that we haven't, again, talked about, I'd love to hear it. If not, we can close out the show and invite you on another one. I would love to be on another one. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, read my book. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Jess, as I said, it's been an honor and pleasure having you as our guest today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to the Innovators Podcast Show. I'm Tom Dior. Our guest today has been Jess Lunavelle, founder of The Listings Lab. The Listing Lab helps build sustainable multi-six and seven-figure real estate business without burnout and old-school marketing tactics. For more information, feel free to visit their website at thelistingslab.com. Again, that's thelistingslab.com. The Innovators radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location. The audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos and chief engineer Mark Lawrence. And the executive producer of The Innovators is Tom Dioro. <laughs>